I would like to welcome all of you once again to the month of November. I really believe it's going to be a great month for you. The same way God has been faithful throughout the month, I mean throughout the year, up till now, he will not fail you this month. And I also would like to welcome you this morning to our most anticipated communion service. As you know, we're going to serve communion at the end of this service. So I would like to encourage you to not go anywhere. Stay right where you are. Do not move. Uh, the, our ushers are ready. Everybody is ready. So at the end of this service, we're going to have a prophetic word for the month of November. And then we're also going to partake of the communion. So stay right where you are. Amen. Amen. And it also brings me great joy to just thank all of you. I think Shepard MCs did it earlier, but I just want to thank all of you for all the love that you guys have shown Pastor Pumi and myself during the service last Sunday, the Galatians 6-6 service. Thank you for those of you that got touched and you were able to help and you were able to appreciate that in one way or the other through a song, through a poem, through a gift, whatever it is. I want to say thank you so much. And I also would like to give a big shout out to ABC Patima that really organized a special service for us uh, that week as well. Thank you so much. May God bless all of you and all the branches. May God bless you. Amen. It's a blessing and a joy to know that you are appreciated and that the work that is happening is having an impact in the lives of the people. Hallelujah. I'm not going to stand here and proudly say that, you know, we don't need these things. I actually discovered, I was telling Pastor Pumi uh, when we were you know, driving from uh, ABC Patima that Thursday that I understand now why Satan does not allow or Satan is fighting people and churches from appreciating their pastors. When, when we walk out of ABC Patima, I told my wife, I understand why. The first reason is because you know, an appreciation encourages the pastor. And Satan is aware of that. And he wants to keep pastors discouraged. And I don't know where you are watching from. I don't even know who is your pastor. But you might be surprised that ever since he started ministering in that place, nobody has ever appreciated him. Even children at the end of the year, they are appreciated with marks, you know, for the work they've done throughout the year. And they are appreciated by being taken to the next grade. And it brings them joy to know that at least I'm no more where I used to be last year. And it encourages them and they face the year with a new confidence. And I, I told my wife, you know, I understand why Satan fights churches appreciating their pastors. It's because it's going to encourage the pastor to see that something has happened. It's going to encourage him to want to go and work even more. And the second reason is because it opens down heaven to the church. Yeah. I cannot begin to tell you how the heavens opened upon that little congregation on Thursday. Even Pastor Pumi was telling me there was an open heaven there. We could all see, we could all feel that we entered a realm as we were praying at the end. Wow. And all of those things were controlled by the honor that was given to the man of God mm. and the woman of God. Mm. So that's why Satan fights this thing. Isaac told his son, Esau, go and hunt venison for me, and I will bless you. Why couldn't Isaac just bless Esau? It's because, you see, there is something you provoke 
when you show honor. Wow. And I pray that you will never lose that. Yes, sir. You will never lose that. And don't say to me, oh, I don't have. Listen, we all have something. Yeah. Everybody has something. Honor is not about the size. It's about the motive and the intentions of wow. your heart. That is what honor is all about. So I pray that we will never lose this habit that God is giving us as a church. Even, even long after me and my wife are gone and ABC will continue till Jesus Christ returns to this world. This church will never stop. Those that will come after us may there be always in the month of October in this ministry Amen. appreciation yes, for the servants of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. It shall be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, I also want to, you know, this is a new month, so we're going to start a new service even this month uh, by God's grace, which is very much connected to what we're coming from. Hallelujah. But I want to say quickly that nothing destroys Christians more than pride. Actually, there are about four or five things that are master destroyers of Christians. One of them is pride. The other one is ignorance. The other one is self-deception. And then there's another one which is religious denial. You see, we've been teaching about curses, and there are a lot of proud Christians that don't think that they are cursed. In fact, they've been listening to this series, and they felt that it doesn't really affect them. It's not them we are talking about. Pride has blinded them so much. And then there are those that are ignorant, and they don't want to learn. There are those that are self-deceived. They are deceiving to thinking all is okay. Come with me quickly to Revelation chapter 3 verse 17. The Bible says, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Now, this is Jesus talking to the church in Laodicea. This is a church, the church of Laodicea. He says to them, you say, I am rich. I am wealthy. I have need of nothing. But he says, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor. How can you say you are rich, but God says you are poor? Only pride will deceive you like that. Only self-deception can lead a cursed person into thinking he's blessed. And and I'm praying that, you know, we will come out of self-deceptions. We'll come out of religious denial. Like we are just religiously claiming things and we know deep inside that those things are not present. He says to them, and you are naked. And then nakedness you know, please don't get it twisted. Nakedness has got a lot to do with shame. Whenever you dream and you see yourself naked in your dream, and I'm sure many of you have had such dreams, where you just find yourself naked, you don't know how, but when you went to bed, you were wearing clothes. But now you are in a dream and you are seeing yourself stripped naked. What does that mean? Nakedness connotes the idea of shame. Satan's intentions are to shame you. Whenever you see yourself in a dream and you are seeing yourself naked, understand that Satan is planning to shame you on something. 
Maybe at work you are busy celebrating that I'm going to be promoted and you dream that you are naked. Satan is planning to shame you by you getting rather demoted. So whenever you see nakedness, it has got to do with shame. And he says, you are naked. The madman of Gadara was stripped naked by demons. They wanted to shame him. You will see how when, demon, when somebody has opened himself to demons, the, the main thing they try to do, they want you to take off the clothes. When you really become mad, the first thing you do, you take off the clothes. Because that is Satan's greatest desire, is to shame God's creation. You shall never be shamed in the name of Jesus Christ. Anything that looks like, the Bible says, and my people shall not be put to shame. Anything that looks like shame in your life, by the word of God this morning, it has turned into glory in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. My people shall not be put into shame. So Christians that continue allowing pride to blind them, they will miss out on what God is trying to do. You shall not be one of them. Amen. So we've seen last month. I just because there's something I said last month and I didn't finish it. I want to close it, then I move to what we want to talk about this month. Yes, sir. So last Sunday, I'll show you that there are cases, and, and it seems like the descendant of Ham eh, have been identified as having some of those cases. Mm. And we saw that they, those cases also carry signs. And you can say, now, me, I am not blind. Me, I am not. Look, the signs are there. When you have a dream, and in the dream, you can't find your way. Even if during the day, you know your way. But in the dream, you can't find your way. God is showing you a sign. Hey. God is telling you that you are blind. Hey. Somebody is playing with you. Hey. During the day, you are wearing clothes. But in the night, you are, you are naked. God is, that is a sign to you that things are not as you think they are. Hmm. Those of us that always get lost in the dreams. But during the day, you can find your way. But in the night, when you are dreaming, you are always getting lost. It's a sign to you that things are not the way you think they are. In the same way, sometimes God uses dreams to reveal to you what is actually going on. Dreams show you signs. They help you understand what is coming. God gave a sign to Pharaoh and he gave him a dream. And through that dream, God was telling him what was coming. We use signs to direct us. Praise the name of Jesus. No, so maybe these cases, maybe you don't have them as a sign in the dream. But as I'm going to be taking you through more signs this morning, you will quickly notice that, look, even if everything seems to be okay, something is wrong somewhere. So we've been dealing with this case of Noah. It's found in the book of Genesis chapter 9, verse 24 to 25. The Bible says, So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. We saw that last week. Then he said, Curse be Canaan, a servant of servant, he shall be to his brethren. That is the curse that was spoken. Now, many people say, Me, I'm not cursed. Me, I'm not cursed. I don't claim that you are cursed. But I just want you to look at the, phraseolo- the, the, phra- the phraseology, if, that, if you can allow me the term. The phraseology that is used here. The words that are chosen to describe the case. And then we're going to look at a few signs of that. Or a few well, pictures that reveal what that case looks. And now you will tell me at the end if maybe it's not working for you. Or if it's not present in your world. The phraseology says a servant of servant. That's the case. A servant of servants. 
And I showed you last week that a servant of seven is somebody who's always the last in every field. He's the least, the last, and the lowest. Everything, everywhere. And we also saw last week that three sons of Noah are responsible for the population of the world as we know it today. So, and the curse was spoken to one of the sons of Noah, who is called Ham. And we also discovered that, see, some of his descendants are found in a certain continent. No problem. There's no curse. No problem. Let's just look at a few signs, and then we're going to move to the most exciting thing I want to talk about. We saw last week that a servant, so what does a servant of seven look like? For you to show the signs, for you to see the signs, and then know if maybe it could be in my vicinity. Or people I know. We saw last week that a servant of seven is usually a poor leader and a poor manager. That's what we saw last week. Yes, sir. Do you know a group of people on this world that when they are leading, people are crying? That people prefer other people to lead them than that group to be leading them? Yes, sir. You know them. I will not mention anybody. I'm just going to be giving these things and you have to check a group. Everybody can lead. The moment they come to lead, things start falling apart. They can't manage nothing. If you build a brand new hospital and you give it to another group, you come after 20 years, the hospital would have become better. But if you build a brand new hospital and you give to another group, you come after 20 years, the whole, you will find the bush all over. The hospital, the whole, listen, after 20 years, they couldn't use the hospital. They had to build another hospital. I, I, I can't tell you that you will find the same hospital. That if you left it for 20 years and you come back, beds are broken, lights are not working, the science is gone long. Like everything is a mess. Toilets are, are, are full with feces. Nobody is using them anymore. The patients are going in the bush to do feces. Uh, the people are being, people are giving birth inside on the floor. Some are sleeping. If you go to the mortuary, the mortuary that is supposed to take 70 people has 200 people inside. So people are stuck on top of each other in that hospital. If you know a certain group like that, you, you, you should check for yourself. Number two, servants of seven live in a filthy and disorganized environment. Filthy. Doesn't look nice. I don't know a lot of groups that are like that. I don't know a lot of groups that are like that. <laughs> filthy environment. Filthy homes. Untidy homes. Untidy yards. Grass is inside the house. Disorganized. There's no order. There are no streets. Like I told you last week. Let us not dwell there today. If you want to know more about it, listen to what I taught last week. You will understand better. Number three, servants of servants produce poor quality products. In other words, they don't have a sense of excellence. You see, let's be honest, there are certain products, the moment you see it, you know where it came from. I mean, you know. You don't have to ask yourself many questions. You look at the quality and you can determine, no, this one came from here. This one came from there. 
And the people that fall into the group of servants of servants, their products are never of good quality. Their products are always substandard, poor quality, shoddy and shabby quality. That is how their products are. And their products can't last long. And there are certain countries in this world, when they produce a product, you know that if you buy it, you have buy it for a lifetime. The quality is there. The precision is there. The excellence in the product is there. You know. Now, if you are telling me that you don't belong to that group, then begin to produce products that reflect the blessing. These things are not to, 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 to affect any of us. I just want to say, we need to run away from this group. A group of people that don't produce good leaders. You must, if you want to break the curse of Noah, you should decide to be a leader people want to be associated with. That's what I'm trying to say. This case, you don't break it with prayer. That group I'm talking about, they are the greatest prayer group in the whole world. <laughs> but they haven't broken the case of Noah. People are running away from their countries every year. Flying to countries of people that are atheists. That worship idols. They, fly, they go there. They are praying, but they are going there. Why? Because you don't break the curse of Noah with prayer. You break the curse of Noah by changing how you are doing things. And I'm telling you this morning that start by becoming a respectable leader. My prayer for myself is that I will be a great leader for this church, for my family, for anything God is giving me to do. If you want to break the curse of Noah, decide to be a good leader. Decide to be a great manager. When you are given something to do, when people come and look at it, they shouldn't find it shabby, disorganized, messed up. You've been given a room, your room, the bedroom where you are. I don't want it. You, you go check it. See how you are managing the room. Under the bed, we find chocolates, things that you, you were eating, you didn't. Plates you've been using last week, you are, you, you, you are too lazy to take to the kitchen, you put under the bed. You can't manage the bedroom. How will you manage anything in this world? Hmm? You want to be a great leader? You want to be somebody that people will respect? Become a leader. A leader. There are leaders in this world. You need to become one of them. Amen. Hallelujah. And then number two, decide to live in a clean and organized environment. It is wrong that the toilets of this group of people in the schools and the universities, wherever they are, even marketplaces, their toilets are no-go area. You can't go there. You know yourself, you can't go there. You run away, you can't go there. But there are other groups, there are toilets, you can even go there read newspaper. What is wrong with that group? Decide that your toilet will be clean. Amen. I'm challenging you. This is not, I'm, don't think about people away from you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking to you, you yourself. Decide that your kitchen will be clean. Decide that your yard must not have unnecessary grass except lawn. You see, there's grass and grass. There are weed, and then there is a lawn. Green lawn. Is it, they call it a lawn. Is it a lawn? Yeah, yeah, it's a lawn. I'm speaking English. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Number three, decide that you're going to pro- whatever you produce will carry excellence. When you are given a job to do, do it excellently. Don't allow this case to come again so that when people see, if you are producing a little video, I mean, look, you see, we are trying with this thing so that you shouldn't say that these people, what are they doing? We have very little equipment for now, but we are trying our best. You find people with better equipment doing shabby, shabby, shabby. It's as if black connotes lack. But black does not connote lack. No, my friend. Don't allow that lie to enter your head. It's a lie of the devil. Just because you are black doesn't mean everything you do must look black. And dark and and lacking. It's a curse. And you don't break it with prayer, sir. You break it by changing how you are doing things. You have to change. Otherwise, nobody will ever take you serious. Number four. This is a group of people, a servants of seven, they cannot build anything impressive. Let me tell you something. Buildings are very important. As a matter of fact, when you think about heaven, what comes to your mind? Do you see angels flying around? When I think of heaven, I think of structures. I see beauty. I see buildings. When people are talking about a country, what do they show you? They show you the buildings of that country. Anything, when people are talking about a company, what do they show you? Do they show you the product first or do they show you the building? They show you the building. When people are talking about a, a university, do they show you the people in the class or do they show you the building of the university? They show you the building. Why? Because building speaks. Never allow anybody to lie to you. And there's a group of people that have collided and decided that they will never build anything impressive. They have made a vow. They can't build anything impressive. Their building cannot go beyond three meters. Three meters is actually is a dream. If it goes beyond, in fact, 1.8 is the highest their building can go. There are people that have built things that are touching the clouds. They call them skyscrapers. There is a group of people that they have never built one skyscraper. One. Just one. No, for them, it's okay. If, you, if it's 1.3, as long as it doesn't hit. Some even make sure that it's so low that they have to bend before they enter inside. While people are trying to go high, they are bending to go inside. This is a group of people that use wasted material to build. The only group I know that use roofing sheets to build houses. And they call them, look, I'm not insulting anybody. If that is what your capacity currently allows you to do, then I applaud it. But if you have a higher capacity than that, but that is where you have stopped and you are saying that this is a house. Praise Jesus. There are groups of people that are building with bricks and glass. How come this particular group seem to go for leaves and branches and mud? 
look at the material and ask yourself, how, how high can this thing go? Do you want to break the curse of Noah? Dissociate yourself from that group. Decide you're going to build a beautiful, great, glassy, wonderful house when the time comes for you to build something. Don't decide you're going to build something under the carpet. Build something impressive. I'm not saying go and borrow money to do it. I'm just saying that have a vision to do something impressive. That's all. And we build with wisdom, not with money. Not with money, with wisdom. You'll be surprised that these people with these roofing sheets, and then they'll come and park a BMW outside. Then they'll have a GSTV that costs more than, monthly more than the the roofing sheet that they have used to do the, the whole thing. So it is not a money deficiency. It's a mental deficiency. It's a lack of vision. Is that, no, anything can, can work for me. I mean, as long as I have four walls covered and something on top of my head, it's okay. Other people are thinking, a building represents you. And they understand that a building speaks a great language to people. That's why airports, because that is the entry of the country. It is done in a certain way. It is designed to show you what kind of, kind of, what kind of country you are entering into. Your house is designed to tell us what type of person we are coming to meet. The Bible says the queen of Sheba, when she arrived in the palace of Solomon, when she saw the buildings, when she saw the doors, when she saw the pillars, when she saw the servants, her attitude towards Solomon changed completely. When people come to where you are, what do they see? And ah, you see, and then they just do these people. It's the other attitude. We are changing. I say we are changing. A group that cannot build roads, no matter how much money you give them, roads will be skewed. Within a month, there will be portals everywhere. They will build pavements, and those pavements are not for water, they are for mud. The pavements are filled with mud instead of being used to direct the water. Because poor building capacity. Lack of understanding. Do you know a group that can never build a bridge? They prefer to stay on this side of the river. So they will never bother. That's why we, that group was discovered. They never discovered anything. They were discovered. Because when they saw they said, they say, hey, no, 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 no. We are okay. This side. And people build uh, ships, enter the sea, came and discovered them. And called them savages and natives. If you don't want people to call you a native, build something. Go and discover something. Go out there and become something. I want to help you understand today, these are the things that make people see that group the way they see it. Not the skin. The skin is not the problem. It's what they do with that skin that becomes a problem. The things they build, the way they take care of things, those are the things that define them. And people don't want to associate with them much. Six. Hmm? I think five. I, I forgot five. But these same people, they can't maintain any building. Do you know a group of people that cannot maintain a building? They are renting your house, start praying and fasting. By the time they leave your house, your toilet doesn't work. Your lights are broken. Your kitchen stove has, has turned black. 
I heard of people that when they rent your house, to get them out, you need to call police. They can't go. They are not paying, they are not paying electricity, they are using lamps and, 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 can, and candles. And they are not paying. You need to call police and the military to get them out. After they have spoiled the whole place. Then they start saying, no, 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 people are discriminating. It's not just that people are discriminating, it's that when they give it to you, what happens afterwards? There is a group, if you buy a second-hand car from them, you know you bought a car. You can drive it. There's an, that group I'm talking about, I will not mention which group it is. You have to figure it out yourself. If you buy a second-hand car from them, you are the stupidest human being I have come across. In fact, they will be selling you the car, asking themselves, what is wrong with this guy? Doesn't he know us? Uh, I'll leave it there. Break this curse by becoming somebody who knows how to maintain things. Amen. In the chair, don't lose microphone, don't break things, don't break chairs. You, you have to show that you can take care of something. I don't be this group of people that everything you have to keep buying and buying and buying and buying. Why? Because they keep breaking. Anywhere there are, things are breaking. Are you a child? Are you a child? You must grow this man. Your mind must change. You must understand. It's not always racism. It's that you give people a reason to not want to associate with you. That's what you do. Lord, help us. Number six. Servants of seven hate reading and learning. They, it's not that they don't like, they hate. With passion. And I want to prove it to you. Go in any community where servants of servants are. You will find taverns. You might even find stadiums. But if you find a library there, do you understand? A library. A bookshop. Let me push it further. If you find a publishing house, come and talk to me. I'll give you a hundred rent. Usually the library is built by the municipality and it is used as a dating place. They don't use it for studying at all. They use it for dates. They go in there to, to talk their love. You can go to many communities in the area where you stay. You will not find a library. But you'll find taverns. It's the same people. They have enough sense to know that there are people who don't read, but they drink. So if you build a library, you are wasting your money. But build a tavern, they'll come. Because they hate learning. Not to talk of publishing houses. Have you seen, ever since you've been around in that community you are in, have you seen a publishing house that this man has brought a publishing house to encourage people to write books and he's going to publish their books? No, 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 no. No, no. You'll find a little kiosk there for Maguena. you find small, small kiosk. We eat and we drink. But reading... No, 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 no. Break the curse of Noah by becoming a tireless learner. Amen. Decide that you're going to read. Decide that you're going to study. Decide that you're not going to remain the same person five years from now. Yes, That's how you break that curse. Wow. 
Lastly, and it's more, look, there is a lot. I don't just have time because I was supposed to hit this last week, but I thought, before I introduce you to what I want to talk about this man, you should understand what is our problem. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The last one, this group, the servants of seven, they always complain about not having money. If you like, check yourself. If you know any other group on this world, in this world, that always say, no, we don't have. Please help us. We need, we need a loan. We need international aid. Do you know another group that their presidents are always going overseas to borrow money? Have you ever seen another group that their leaders enter planes? To go to go to go to, to, to beg for money. Do you know of a group like that? Servants of servants. Always begging. Always feeling what they have is not enough. Let me tell you something this morning. It will never be enough. You know why? Because nobody started with it being enough. You have to learn to start with what you have. In your small level, with your two rent. Learn to keep yourself with your two rent and learn to manage your two rent. Before you know it, you will manage four rent. Before you know it, four rent will become ten rent. Before you know it, ten rent will become twenty rent and a hundred rent and a thousand rent and a million rent. But this thing of you having two rent and you say it's too small, you want a thousand rent. That is why you go and borrow it. That is why you go and sell your, 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 your natural resources for nothing. Because you don't want to start with the little you have. You don't want to start there. You always make people want to feel sorry for you. Do you know another group of people that until 2020, they are still fighting for hunger? Every other group has overcome hunger. That group, people still can eat. Hmm. To eat is a problem. It's a problem. Hmm. I'm talking to you this morning. Yes, sir. You need to break this thing out of yes, your life. Yes. And prayer is not what we use here. We use wisdom. Yes, sir. Learn what I'm teaching you. Decide to be a different species. Amen. Hallelujah. Decide to be, and you see, let me help you quickly this morning. You don't break this case only by prayer. And you don't break this case, listen to me, you don't break this case by changing the skin. Because these are the things this group of people usually try to do. When they start seeing that the thing is not working for them, they, they feel, no, I think something is wrong with the skin. And they want to bleach the skin. But you don't understand that the curse is deeper than the skin. Amen. Jeremiah 13, verse 23 says, Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? It's in your Bible. God is asking a question. Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leopard take away its spots? To help you understand that the issue you are dealing with, Ethiopian represents African people. The issue you are dealing with is not a skin problem. It's a curse problem. If you can allow me the terminology. And this man, last man, 
I showed you about that case, and I was just rounding up this morning. But starting this morning till the end of November, I want to introduce you to the, 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 the antidote to that issue of cases. What do we need to break it? Apart from the thing I was teaching this morning, how do you move from this place to this other place? Praise the name of Jesus. Come with me now to the book. Now I want to introduce the series and then we're going to close. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. The Bible says, today. Somebody say with me today. Say it again. Today. Today I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you will choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Hallelujah. Amen. What I like about the Theronomy 30 verse 19 is that he says, I have given you the choice between life and death, between curses and blessings. My question to you this morning is, what do you choose? Ask the person next to you, between curses and blessings, what do you choose? Between curses and blessings, what do you choose? Because it seems like it's not a fate, it's a choice. We choose. We choose. Praise the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I choose the blessings. I choose the blessings. If you are choosing the blessing, to put your hands together for Jesus to show me that you are also choosing the blessings. And that is the subject we're going to be dealing with this month. The blessings. October was the month of discussing the cases. November, we are dealing with the blessing. Therefore, our series is entitled, Unlocking the Blessings. Unlocking the Blessings. Unlocking the Blessings. Hallelujah. This month you will unlock every blessing that God has for you. Amen. This month. This month. It's going to be a great adventure for you and me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We are choosing the blessings. Yes. We are choosing the blessings. Yes. Why do I call it unlocking the blessings? Ephesians 1:3 says, Praise be to God and Father, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So, you're not going to be blessed. You are already blessed. But, the blessings are in the spiritual realms. In Christ. You need to transport them here. Unlocking. Unlocking unlocking. So this month we're going to learn how to unlock not the blessing. Please listen to me. I didn't say unlocking the blessing. I said unlocking the blessings. Because I've discovered that cases are many. Therefore blessings must also be many for you to overpower them. That's why he says I have presented before you blessings and cases. It's a lot of blessings. And God has us with every speed, not with the blessing, every. So it means many. 
We're going to learn how to unlock them. Hallelujah. Are you excited? Are you blessed? It's going to be a great month for you. This month of November, my prayer is that by the time this month is over, a blessing must have landed on your head. Amen. A blessing must have landed on your spirit. Oh, yes. But as I've been dealing with this group of people, I know that your heart is a bit sore, especially if you belong to that group. So I just want to help you quickly this morning. How do you unlock the blessing that breaks the curse of Noah on your life? How do you unlock it? Wow. It's a quick lesson before we start the main job. You know, this is like your, your, how you call this thing? Your, 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 you know, when you go for dinner, your, your starters. These are your starters. Amen. And I'm going to give you just two verses. The Bible talks of the first man that unlocked the blessing and broke the curse, in my opinion, is Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 1 and 2. So, and if you can see how God unlocked the blessing on Abraham, we're going to apply the same principle in our lives. Genesis 12, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family. Hello. You belong to a group. I've been talking about that group. And I know you are not happy with what I've been saying. And all you want is to take a helicopter and fly. Listen carefully to how you're going to do it. God is about to change the life of a man that his father got stuck in a place called Haran. And he was going to start there in the same place. God appears to him, Genesis, he said to him, get out of your country. From your family. Ah, God, are you against my family? No. From your father's house. And go to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Then there it comes. I will bless you. And I'll make you great. Hallelujah. And you will be a blessing, not a liability. In other words, you will become indispensable. You will become important. This is what we're going to be dealing with this month. Let me just help you by making you aware that if you are feeling that pastor has been insulting you because you belong to a certain group, then I'm sorry to say that maybe it means you are not born again. Because I don't consider myself an African first. And I certainly don't consider myself a Cameroonian or a South African first. As long as I consider myself like that, that case of Noah will work on me practically and properly. That's why God, before God can release the blessing on Abraham, he says to him, the first thing I want you to do, get out of that country. Then get out out of your father's house. Get out of the country. Get out of your father's house. Stop associating yourself with this group. Are you listening to me? As long as you are an African, and many Christians, eh, Pastor, you know, eh, this is Africa, and we are Africans. 
They, no wonder the case is working practically on you. I am not an African first. I am, I am in Africa, but I am not an African. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, but you are citizens of heaven. Another version says, your citizenship is in heaven. As long as you are claiming citizenship in Africa, that case is working. So if you like, miss next week. But if you know what is good for you, don't miss next week. Because next week I will introduce you to yourself. As a child of God, you are not an African. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And it is the kingdom of heaven that must influence your life. Not the cases of Africa. But the blessings from heaven. And it says, he has blessed you in heaven realms with all spiritual blessings. That is where you have to find your root. That is your key to breaking out of this case. We're going to talk about that this month. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet and begin to give a hand of praise to Jesus. Oh, somebody praise him. Praise him. Praise him right where you are. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for unlocking the blessing. Unlocking the blessings this month in our lives. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Praise be the name of Jesus. Right now, I just want you to start appreciating God and thanking him for the word that has come your way. Begin to thank God. Begin to thank God, somebody. Thank God. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Thank God, somebody. Appreciate God, somebody. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Appreciate God. Thank Him right now. Thank Him right now. Thank Him right now. Jesus. 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 Unlocking the blessings. Neutralizing the curses is happening practically. This month of November, you're going to rise above the storms. Thank you, Jesus. I would like the stewards and the airport staff to start preparing the elements already. Quickly this morning, you are listening to me and you are not born again. Can I tell you something? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And you cannot receive the gift of heaven. You will continue in the case. The Bible says Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is anyone who hangs on a tree. He became a curse so that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Without Jesus, there is no blessing. Jesus is the blessing or the door to the blessing. I'm not asking if you are going to church. I'm asking, are you born again? Have you given your life to Jesus? If you've never given your life to Jesus, please understand that there is a curse still hanging on you, the curse of the law. That curse is only removed by the blood of Jesus. I spoke about it last month. Right now, you want to give your life to Jesus. You are saying, Pastor, I want the gift of heaven, the bread of heaven, the holy manna to come on me. Well, at the count of three, just going to raise your right hand and I'm going to pray with you. One, two, three. Raise your right hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Keep raising your hands and I'm going to ask the stream side leaders to come in front right now and they can take the service from here. 
you just follow their instructions. Now, if you are connected still, and if you are maybe in the church somewhere, or you are watching online, I want you to take your hand down now. Other people that are listening to me this morning and watching me are people that have given their life to Christ, but they have backslidden. They have gone back to the world. I'm talking to you right now. You want to give your life, you want to commit your life to Jesus. At the count of three, raise it up. One, two, three. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Please take your hands down. Right now, we're going to pray a prayer of commitment and a prayer of repentance together. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Forgive me my sins. Wash me with your blood. I believe you died for me. On the third day, you rose again. That I might be justified. Right now, I believe my sins are forgiven. I'm justified by your blood. I'm saved. I'm restored. I'm born again. I'm blessed. I'm a child of God. I am free from the power of sin to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.